Do you enjoy our podcast and the guests we bring you? Since 2019, Matt and his team have done their very best to give you amazing shows each week. If you feel like our show has helped you to be a better investigator, or maybe even inspired you to become an investigator, please let us know. We're looking for testimonials. Drop Matt an email with a recorded 20 to 30 seconds of you talking about this podcast. You can also email him something verbal about the website. His email is matthews at satellitepi.com. And if you really feel blessed for having this content, consider supporting Matt and our show by joining Investigators Toolbox. You really have to see version 2.0. And at just 49 cents a day, it's a no-brainer. Now let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Before we get started, we want to congratulate our host, Matt Spare. He was officially sworn in as the president of Aldenese, the New York Private Investigator and Security Association. Congrats, buddy. I think I see a raise in my future. But seriously, though, congrats. It was a long-time commitment that has really paid off. And this week, we welcome Dr. Chelsea Bins. Matt originally planned to talk about fraud prevention and cybercrime, but the conversation took a turn, and the two ended up talking about growing a PI business and how to succeed in it. So please welcome Dr. Chelsea Bins and your host, El Presidente, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. Uh, we are recording in New York State again, and uh, I got a, a friend back, a, a professor, a colleague, somebody who I love chatting with. I want to welcome Chelsea Bins, excuse me, Dr. Chelsea Bins, back to the program. Doctor, how are you? Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Good to Good. see you again. So great to have you. So uh, for those who have not heard prior episodes with Chelsea, she is a professor at John Jay College, and uh, she's written a, a book, The Art of Investigation, with a whole bunch of investigators that helped chip in, and there's another version of it coming out soon. But tell me, what have you been up to? What are you doing? Wow. Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, as you know, we have the next iteration of The Art of Investigation coming out, um, which is The Art of Investigation Revisited, uh, Tips from the Experts. And so we're super excited about that. Uh, we're hoping to see this in about the June timeframe. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we have same MO as the first book where we have um, 15 great investigators telling us the importance uh, of soft skills and in investigations. And they take us through 15 of them. And it's just all new investigators this time and all new stories. Uh, and so, and it's pretty incredible. Um, we've got some, got some big, big names there as usual. Right. Uh, yeah, the best, the best. Um, and we also have an incredible forward from Bruce Doris, who is the CEO of the ACFE, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. Nice. And yes, and he did a great piece um, to get us started. So super excited about that um, coming down the pike. And we also have another one uh, that we haven't signed the contract yet, but we just got word uh, yesterday that that will be forthcoming. Okay. So, so yeah, so we're already working on the third. The third, yeah. the third book is going to be in the Art of Investigation series is going to be a little bit different. 
Okay. And yes. And so, uh, but similar in that we're going to hear from a number of different great minds in the field, uh, but we're going to, the theme is going to be a little bit different. Um, so, but I'll, t- I'll be able to take you more through that in the future, but it's, it's new and fresh and exciting and hasn't been done before. And I just can't wait. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredible resource um, for students, for professionals in the field, right. and for just the general public um, interested in investigations. And yeah, so I'm really excited about that. We'll be looking for a lot of experts, um, investigators to contribute to that. So I'll definitely be reaching out to your audience and 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 soliciting for that. Um, and you know, again, I'll I'll be able to talk more on that later. Right. But that's yeah. going to be my new thing. That's awesome. That's for awesome. 2023. Yeah. 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 Really cool. I, you know, for me, what I always appreciated about that book and I can't wait to see the new one um, is that there you're, you're hearing from different people in different industries at different points of their career um, that are just talking about their expertise, like their space, um, you know, what they're really good about. And um if you're just starting off, it's like a good jump off point to get better at what you do. And it's, you look at the list of the names and you're just like, wow. Um, I, I get, I think I got a, a sneak peek at some of the people in the, in the new book. And I was just like, wow, that's really, uh, that's really great. There's some really good people. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And you know, th- this was like the brain, uh, brainchild of you and, uh, Bruce Sackman, I think, right. Originally. And yes. seeing it jump off is, is really, really great. Well, you know, as you know, too, the field is largely about apprenticeships, mm-hmm. right? Learning from others. And that's really what inspired me to want to do the book series in the first place. Um, because I thought, you know, there's all these great minds in the field and their experiences are how the rest of us learn, right? And even those that are not new to investigations, we learn so much from our peers, right? Right new techniques, new way of doing things, or we learn about their world, right? If they do a type of investigation that's different from ours. Sure. And so that's one of the things that I love about the series too, is that we just, we get to hear from so many great minds and learn from their stories. Right. Right. So like when you first came up with with the idea, I mean, how did you break down like, okay, what particular topics do we want to cover? Like what's important? What, what will help the reader get better at what they're doing? What was, the, what was the thought process? Well, one of the really big inspirations for me was when I transitioned from being an investigator, um, you know, so the practical side of it to right. the academic side um, when I became a professor. And I started looking at the academic materials um, and investigations, which were um, somewhat new to me at the time. Um, right. I was right used to more of like the fieldwork guides or things of that nature um, and things that we got in government. And so looking at this, I saw that, you know, there was so much, uh, first of all, there wasn't much literature out there at all in investigations in general. Um, but this, the literature that was out there, a lot of it was centered on the tasks that you do. Um right. And right. So the surveillance, the task of report writing, um, which, you know, are all important, of course. But, you know, I really saw that there was a huge missing piece here because while all those were important, you know, they really don't have the same meaning if you don't have the skill set behind it. Right. In order to complete those tasks and in order to get the job done before you get to the point where you're doing, for instance, the report writing. Right. Right. 
what brings you there to begin with? Um, and I know it's the soft skills, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're thinking about what separates an investigator from a good investigator, from a great investigator to one that we all admire and, and becomes well-known and one of the top in the field or that go-to person whenever um, there's an interrogation that has to be done and, and everyone knows that's, you know, Joe or Mary or whomever. They're Mr. the Wolf. person you go to, right? <laughs> Somebody call Mr. Wolf. <laughs> he cleans everything up. <laughs> right. Yeah. What separates that person from another? Right. And, and, and for me, it's the soft skills, right? That they've developed sometimes from years on the job doing, um, you know, developing expertise in a particular uh, skill or, or a particular task. And that becomes their skill. And there's, there's a soft skills behind that. And in the literature, they're often mentioned, but just not um, expanded or explored. And that's, that's what I wanted to do with this series. Um, and I think I've achieved that. And uh, I, I always want to do more. Um, so that's why I keep expanding it too. Uh, because there's always more great minds to hear from and more genres of work that they do. And, and yeah, there's um, always, always more to talk about. Yeah. And it's definitely a, like a passion thing. Like I, I know, like I, I was part of the, the, the first volume one or issue, (laughs) whichever one, article one, volume one, whatever. Um, It, it it was very interesting and I I knew like, it was very rewarding and I'm, uh, you're not getting rich off doing it, right? It's you're not doing it for the paycheck or the payday. No, Uh, definitely not. It's, it's for your love of the industry. It's for your love of, of, um, you know, trying to make sure that, that there's a certain skill set level, um, you know, an expectation of how to do things, um, and making sure things are getting done right. Um, you know, you throw ethics in there too. Um, Kitty Haley is a, you know, in our industry, the material that she writes, I'm seeing like associations that are adopting her, her book as their code of ethics, which is amazing and great. I'm so happy for Kitty. Uh, but like these things are needed, right? Like how do we do this job and how do we, um, stay ethical in doing it? Because, you know, there are often times we have to testify about the work that we do and, and, you know, setting that groundwork, that foundation to do it properly, you know, having this type of material is really important. I mean, I remember going back to John Jay in in the, you know, when I was there in the the mid nineties, um, there wasn't much uh, source material and it was usually the book of the professor who was teaching the class, you know, and maybe, maybe one or two more uh, depending on it. And um yeah, it was, it was a struggle. I mean, you lean more on internships and like real world experience to get yourself set or figure out what you want to do with your life. So it's, it's refreshing to see these things. And, and even like what I love about the content that you do um, is it's just the abstractness of it. You know, um, it's not like, we're not talking, talking about this hard skill on how to do surveillance. We're going to talk about, you know, the, the right attitude to do with surveillance. Right. How do you how do you have the ability to, you know, stay for hours in the in in a car waiting for that split second of you know game changing footage, right? Teaching somebody That's how just to it. do that, right? Right. Well, use take your chapter for example on energy, 
right? Where you talked about, and I love this, right? That you, the insurmountable amount of tasks that it takes in order to start your own agency and having the need for energy in order to do that. And, you know, it's just not something that everyone can do. It's, it's not now can someone learn to be more energetic they absolutely can yeah. right and you give some great tips for people to do that um but for some people it's more innate and that's what's incredible too that even if it's not innate in you any of these skills that we talk about you can develop them and you can work at it but like you said that you need to recognize that those are skills that you need to do to be better at your job and the way that you do that is through literature like this right and 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 the more that's out there I mean, the more it professionalizes our field um and that's something that was always really important to me to do you know to make a mark on the field and and leave something for the next generations absolutely you know always leave it better than when you got there <laughs> yes yes and now you know your story is is out there forever yeah. Yeah. and the fact that you know investigators years from now will be reading it and learning from it and thinking about wow you know i never thought about creating my own agency you know right. i i knew that i could always i wanted to be an investigator and i knew i would be great at it and i could work for someone someday but wow i never it never occurred to me to actually create my own yeah. and, and so even just ideas like this that might be prompted from somebody reading your story uh to me was worth every second of doing it yeah, no, definitely. And and I feel like there's a, like a, an addendum that's needed. <laughs> so much has happened since I've written that. Oh, <laughs> yes. It to the next level, ah, um, yes. which, is, which is all great. And, you know, to me, it's like, you, that's another challenge, right? You're in the business for 10, 10 15, whatever, and you, you're about to turn a corner and take that next step and, and really grow the business out. Like, how do you do that? Right. Um, for me, you know, I was leaning on my friend's in the industry that were already ahead of me, right? You know, sitting down and having those dinners. Hey, what does your day look like? What are you doing now? Like, how, how does your operation run? You know, and just picking and, and pulling little tidbits from from my peers. Um, and now, like, you know, I, I've got a great business that's essentially running itself with a great staff of people. Um, and it's freeing me up to do other things, like grow the business, you know, become a salesperson and, 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 you know, see the, you know, New York is just a huge uh, opportunity there, you know, markets that's, that's not fully tapped into um, having the ability to do that. So like I did start off as a one, one uh, person shop and, you know, went many years with just having like one other employee and all that never had any designs of growing it out and all that. But then, you know, you have children, you buy a house, <laughs> you realize New York is very expensive and, uh, and you start going down that route. So it's like material that you put out. Um, it's so helpful, not only for the people that are just starting off, but people that are, you know, maybe in the rut or, or looking to, to build a business out or take that next turn or next step. And, and, you know, having our own, our peers teach us how to do all this stuff. It's such valuable information, especially when that's all in one spot and you don't have to buy like 15 books, <laughs> you know, read a chapter. You're good. No, exactly. And I will say that in the next version that's coming out in June. So I wrote a chapter incidentally on energy. Hey, <laughs> that's my area. And yes. And uh, so I drew um, upon, you know, obviously a lot of my experiences for that. 
But to take it back to students, so one thing, and and I wanted to talk about this in my chapter, because one thing that keeps coming up with students is they say, um, and you had mentioned this before about, uh, about internships. So students tell me all the time, I want to get into investigations, but I don't have anything on my resume that speaks to that. You know, I, they'll have great experience. A lot of them, now they work in big companies, you know, maybe they work for um, Uniqlo or The Gap or something like that. And they say, you know, I like what I'm doing, but I want to transition into an investigative career. And, and I'm not sure I'm on paper, I can't get there. Because, you know, you apply for the first job, people want investigative experience. If you don't have the keyword on your resume, even right, it may not get seen by the right person. So what do I do in order to get that coveted bit of experience? And and how do I do an internship when I'm doing I have a full time job? And, And I was in that position. So that's what's so great um, about me now being an educator of investigation. So I was in their shoes. And so now in my chapter, and I'm able to tell the world what I've been telling students every day in the classroom, right? So where there's a will, there's a way and you can make it work. And that that's what I did um, when I was in their position. So I needed that coveted investigative experience. Um, I had my full-time job that was not in that field um, at a big company. And I, I loved my job. I wanted to stay at it. I want, I needed the money. I was using the money from my job to pay for school and everything else right in life. And so I wasn't in a position where I could just take an un, at the time unpaid internship, which they all were then now that's changed a bit. No, yeah, I did the unpaid. <laughs> I did three unpaid internships. The hours of <laughs> wasted time. I mean, it wasn't wasted. It was good. I did mine with department investigation. You know, I, yeah, I did it with uh, the uh, division of corrections with DOI and um, with uh, the special um, investigative unit, which which was actually really cool. And yes. you know, that that actually led to a job opportunity for me through them. And I was supposed to go work with them. But then the city went on a, a three year hiring freeze and the guy's like, I wanted to hire you. I really did. But I come back in three years. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Yes. And that was a problem over the years, too, I remember. Um, And so what I ended up doing was I took a chance and it wasn't really like me at the time to do this because I was a very junior employee. Uh, You know, I I wasn't the type to to speak out. I wasn't a manager or anything. I wasn't the type to speak out. Um, But I did. I said, you know, would it be possible if I traded Friday for Saturday? And could I, you know, not come in Friday and come in Saturday instead and do my work? And they actually let me do it, yeah. uh, my employer. And that Friday, so the Fridays I spent at DOI um, working for free yeah. and and getting incredible, which was nice of them too, to let me um, work one day a week for the internship. Did you and go to, uh, to 80 Maiden Lane? I did. Yes. Did you I go did. to the Yang Yip? <laughs> the Chinese Eating food place. <laughs> All the guys over there, there's this one Chinese food place. They're like, you have to eat over here. Go get everybody lunch. <laughs> <You know? That's> <laughs> and the lines were crazy too, but it was fun. <laughs> but yeah, so I talk about this um, in the chapter and, you know, I, it's just, you know, may not work for everybody. Yes. It took a lot of energy because I was working, you know, six, yeah. usually seven yeah, days a week. You were young. It's fine. But, but I made it work. And then now I had that coveted experience. And like you said, at the time there was similar to your situation, there was a hiring freeze. 
Um, but because I was had the internship, I had met a lot of people and I was able to demonstrate my work um, favorably. And then when something opened up, I was able to jump in there. Um, yeah. And that's how I got my break in the field, essentially. Yeah. And the rest um, is history. So I hope my story helps others, which is why I wanted to tell it. Yeah, I remember like one of my first days going into the special investigative unit, they had a, um, a, a, a camera hidden somewhere. So the guy turns on a screen and you see yourself on the screen and he says, go find the camera. Right. It was me and like, I don't know, two or three other people and, and nobody could find the camera. Then I'm looking, I'm like, okay, so if I stand here and I look like I can kind of see myself and let me go figure it out. So the camera was actually in the television. You know, that was the, <laughs> it was the joke. It was one of these many tiny, tiny button uh, cameras that they had put on like the VCR unit that was underneath the, uh, the television. And it was like, okay, now you understand, you know, what we work with and how we do this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But uh, yeah, I remember when I first saw the technology, I just thought it was so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps advancing, right? Oh, now it's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So we're going to, we're going to jump out and take a break. And then when we come back in, I wanted to talk a little, uh, we're going to we shift gears here and uh, talk a little bit about um, the topics that you're teaching at John Jay this semester. And, and um, we were chatting about it uh, recently and, and I thought it would translate well to an episode, um, you know, talking about fraud and, and how uh, an investigator can, um, you know, tap into that as a, um, as income, as a re resource of, of trying to combat that and investigate that. So everybody sit tight and we will be right back. Check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. I want to talk to everybody today about scopenow.com. Scopenow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time. And I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers and uh, it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information I think it's one of the best points of how ScopeNow can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts so you have uh, particular people that you're looking at you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off it's really uh, really amazing and their relationship and association analytics are uh, top-notch 
really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know, having that relationship, you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out, and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports and put your own logos on, and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So. Check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox, along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. ScopeNow.com. Looking for an insurance agent that puts you first? Every PI business is different. That's why OREP Insurance can shop multiple markets to ensure you get the best coverage to meet your unique business needs. OREP's model is business by the golden rule, and for over 20 years, they've built their business by putting their clients first. So come enjoy a fast online application and same-day certificates of insurance at OREP.org. OREP has coverage for armed investigators, executive protection, and even has a separate policy for security firms. The application takes less than five minutes, so visit OREP.org today. OREP.org. You guys have been hearing uh, for a long time about how much I love Crosstracks, but now you're going to hear from somebody else. So we got George Gerges here. George is a member and a user of Crosstracks. George, tell me real quickly what you love about Crosstracks. The simplicity of using it and the ability to customize everything that you could do with Crosstracks is awesome. It actually allowed me to take the way that I do my business and implement it into their system. And not only am I able to manage 10 or 15 cases, I'm able to manage 50 to 100 cases with the same effort. Fantastic. So Crosstracks, um, the case management system, they are SOC 2 certified. Basically, that's an encryption really an upgrade. They're the only ones out there that are doing it. So please support this great sponsor that supports our show. Uh, check them out. The links are in the show notes. Crosstracks, if you're an investigator, you should be using them today. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. We're here with Chelsea Bins. Chelsea, I want to welcome you back to the program. Thank you. Chelsea is a professor at John Jay College, and she's got a very interesting subject that she's covering this semester. And uh, we teased it a little bit before the break, but uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're teaching your students? Sure. So here at John Jay in the Department of um, Security, Fire and Emergency Management, we have some great minors um, that are extremely popular, one in cyber crime and another in Homeland Security. And uh, they've you know, become, as you can imagine, incredibly popular, um, especially the cybercrime minor, because uh, we draw students from no matter what their major is in the college. Uh, so many people are interested in learning about 
this topic, right? Because it's really at the forefront of our crime problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, the, everyone wants to learn about it and, you know, rightfully so. So, yeah, so this semester I'm teaching two classes um, in that minor, one being cybercrime investigations and one being cyber fraud and identity theft. And in that series, and there, you know, two of, um, you know, multiple classes that we have in the minor. And in that minor, we aim to, you know, give students and and it's largely focused on the investigative aspect, right? And, and it's over in the cyber crime investigations course. Um, but I, it's very well woven into the cyber fraud and identity theft, um, you know, topic as well, because it's so important how we investigate those types of cases um, in in terms of getting at ultimately the way that we will prevent those crimes in the future. And it's really, a lot of it is about prevention, Mm -hmm. right? Lessons learned from what we've gained from what we've found in investigations Mm -hmm. and how we can apply that going forward and take those lessons to potentially um, to take to our students to take into their world when they start um, their career positions in lar- which will largely be in investigation, some security related, anti-fraud related fields, right. and being able to take what they've learned about previous cases and apply that to their new role. And yeah. again, particularly yeah. in the preventative realm. Because right. I think that's our main way of getting ahead of the of these threats. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how the whole um, pen testing uh, vertical has really like made a name for itself. You, know, it used to be one of the suites of services, right? Oh, yeah, we'll do your penetration, you know, testing and all this. But now it's become kind of like its own thing. Like you got to have somebody that's like can hack your system <laughs> and then teach you how to not be hacked, which is. Absolutely amazing. Um, Exactly. And and you see it happen all the time now too, which is crazy. You do. I mean, there, most crimes now touch technology in some way, Mm -hmm. right? Which categorizes them as a cyber related crime. And, and right. And so this is why it's so important for students to be aware of this. And also the fact that in many cases, and that's why we focus so much at looking at the cases in so many cases, astonishingly, they're not as technical as one would think in terms of the um, the trickery, the execution, right? It's it's a matter of, um, you know, sometimes as simply as they say, you know, clicking on the wrong link or, right, entertaining that call from the wrong person. And that's one of the emerging threats now. So we're seeing with the chat, um, you know, the AI chat environment now where they now it can replicate voices. Mm-hmm. And so we're even seeing the type of crime where people are getting um, people now can spoof voices and call someone on the phone and ask for money and sound like your friend or loved one. Crazy. Right. <laughs> Just by getting some of your voice, like someone might be doing that to me right now. Oh, my voice is all over the place. I'm screwed. (laughs) Totally dead. Don't give Matt Spare any money. (laughs) And use the, yeah, the AI chat technology of the world and now be able to spoof me and call my mother and ask for money. Yeah. And that's where they're really hitting them is is the elderly, right? 
like this is like they're not used to this stuff they, you know you know johnny called me i gotta help johnny out or you know i i know uh, i came across a situation a, a year or two ago where there was this whole thing and it wasn't a voice related thing but it's more of somebody had gotten the information of somebody I, kn- I knew who was elderly right and they had said like oh we were we, ha- well, we have your son kidnapped you know like we're holding him hostage you know if you don't give us you know twenty five hundred dollars in the next three hours he's dead you know and it's like what do you do you know and this wasn't in the united states it was somewhere else you know so it's like yeah she went and did it <laughs> she gave the money and that money was gone you never seen that again you know and it's like These fraudsters really do their homework yeah and they're not hitting you with like a ridiculous amount you know they hit you with you know what? what's the pain threshold of the amount that we can get out of somebody and just move on to the next one you know yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy but you see stuff like that happening all the time and it's you know, desperation, economy being where it's at, COVID, whatever, you know, it's like, um, you know, just crime has, has taken it to another level. Uh, I'm sure we can throw in bail reform here in New York as, as, uh, as another uh, motivating factor for crime, taking a big jump that people just don't feel like there's enough of a punishment to keep them from doing things. Uh, I feel like that's probably a topic for another show. though. True. <laughs> Well, I get students that, you know, over the course of my teachings, you know, I, I encounter so many students and they tell me their stories inevitably over the years. And I've had several cases like this. Um, a student had told me a story where someone had called, it was also a social, social engineering related mm-hmm. crime, um, cyber crime where someone had contacted his grandmother and they had learned through social media, again, these fraudsters do their homework. They had learned through social media that this student um, was, uh, he was in the military and he was deployed somewhere. And so he, the, the person calling pretended to be him and pretended to be in that area of the world where that person was and said, um, you know, grandma, I've been you know, held here and I need, you know, to get out of the situation. Um, I need to have, um, I also need like medical attention and I'm going to need some money for that and yeah. all these stories. And she was believing them um, until she realized that that he had left that area in reality, even though social media didn't reflect it. Um, So yeah, so I guess he had talked to her recently and said, oh, I just left that area. Now I'm, you know, in in X location. And so the fraudster didn't realize that. So she had said, oh, okay, um, let me go like, you know, get the funds together and I'll call you back. But at first, you know, the person was on a roll and it was working. And then if it wasn't for the fact that, they had um, the information she knew the information had changed because she had recently talked to her grandson, mm-hmm. you know, she was about to provide the money. Um, and if it, so if it wasn't for that, but, but to your point, how, you know, they really do their research and they really do their homework and social media has really fed into yeah. um, the cyber crime because that's, where they're getting all of their information in order to do the social engineering, which brings them closer to the crime. Right. So let's say that um, you're a newly minted investigator, just started your own business or, or, or maybe you're new to the game or, or maybe you've been in the business for a while and you feel like, Oh, you know what? I, I want to capitalize on this fraud prevention thing. I, w- I want to build out a, that type of service uh, into the suite of services that I offer as an investigator. Like, how would you get started? What 
what tips would you have um, on setting that up and what, what avenue would you think you would go down? In for an investigator to start their own. Yeah. So let's say, you know, you've, you obviously teach this in school and someone says, okay, I'm out of school now. I'm, I'm going to start my own business or, or maybe I went for continuing education. I'm took some class at John Jay learned about this stuff. And, and now I'd like to, add this service to the type of investigative work that I do. How do I, you know, I, I get the first job that comes in, right? Someone's, they, they've been a victim of, of fraud or all that. How would you start investigating that? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot to consider, right? Okay, so, um, so give me some methodology. How would, you know, what would you recommend on doing this stuff? Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, if it's, if it's a student that's just starting out in investigations, right? So ideally before they start out their own firm, um, they will get experience with someone else, right? Um, And in that experience, they'll learn probably, you know, a very particular area of investigations. And that's the thing, right? Because we're also specialized in what we do. Um, So typically their experience level working with a current PI or at a current um, investigative consulting type of firm, you know, their experience might be limited to a particular area of Mm -hmm. investigation. Um, And if that's the one that they choose to explore going forward, that's great because they'll have that expertise. Um, But, and, and then if they want to switch gears, that's something you could always do in the future. But here in New York, you know, you need a couple of years experience before you can get your own license. Yeah. And so I find a lot of students may want to start out on their own entirely, but it may not be realistic in this state because you have to have, you know, a little bit of experience before, before you can do that. Right. Um, and so, and so it's a little bit down the road for them. Uh, but I find that, you know, a lot of times they're able to get into a firm where they are able to get that experience and then, uh, and then, you know, go off um, onto their own. And I've heard back from students that are doing this now and, or I'm connected to them on LinkedIn and I see, I see that they're in the field and successful. And I always, I always love saying that. Um, but yeah, they'll come back to me and say a lot of times that they did end up getting, um, end up shadowing a PI or they end up working for a firm, um, you know, getting an investigative related type internship and many staying on there um, ultimately. So that's how I got my experience and expertise uh, was in background checks. And I developed that expertise because that's the type of work that I was doing in the financial industry. So sometimes we choose our area of expertise, but other times it's something that we just fall into um, because of, you know, where we ended up or the type of work we end up doing. Um, But I would say that for some, we gravitate more towards, certain experiences or certain types of investigations than others. I always found like that I was well-suited for background checks, particularly because I'm just the type of person where I enjoy the research aspect of it and I'm drawn to it. And I feel like looking someone up is a challenge and I want to get that challenge. Right. And so I just keep going and going and going until there's no more that can be learned about the person. And I've even done that with people where it's not my job. So, and I talk about this in the chapter, like where I'll be watching the news and I'll think, 
oh, I never saw that newscaster before. I wonder how they got into the business. I wonder what their background is. I'm just curious. And I'll just start looking them up. And the next thing I know, it's an hour later. And I know everything about that person. And I'm kind of saying, well, why did I just do that? And what... I I have work I need to do. But, you know, <laughs> so if true. if you find that you're that type of person, you know, you can so there's an investig type of investigation that's made for you. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great about this field too is like is no matter what your interest or your strength, you can find a niche for yourself in this field and have a really great career. Yeah. I have a a really great researcher that works for me and when she first started you know, one of the things I had to train her was, was focusing on the scope of the assignment, you know, because we have all these t- really cool tools and things that we can do a lot of research and dig in and things. And I found that she was like, I give her assignment, she's doing it and she'd spend, you know, four or five hours on doing stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you got here? Well, I got all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, but that's not what the assignment was. That's not what we were asked for. You know, you gotta, you gotta know when to, you know, when, when you hit that fork in the road, you know, to, to just turn that side off and stay focused on what you're doing. And to, to her credit, she, she figured it out and man, she's really, really, really great. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny too, because, you know, this was not an investigative person. This was somebody who we just had really good phone skills, was a, a very, like a good social engineer, um, that just needed to be taught how to do what we do. And then use those other skills to develop even more information because, you know, like a good uh, researcher with no phone skills will be limited. If you, uh, you know, if you want to do research, you got to have that ability to pick up a phone and socially engineer information. You know, it's not, everything's not a click of a button. You know, there, sometimes there is phone calls that need to be made, you know, and that's, that's part of the game too, for sure. No, you're absolutely right. And you're so right about what you said about, let's call them the rabbit holes. <laughs> and a lot of the investigators that I talked to for the books now, they've, a lot of them have mentioned and cautioned, you know, um, the investigators reading their stories about the rabbit hole and not to get too far down the road that's not leading you anywhere, because that can definitely happen in an investigation. Um, like we were just saying, right. Um, given the example I was giving about researching someone I didn't even need to be researching or, or when you're, when you're researching something and, you know, you find you have a particular goal in mind and you veer off that goal because again, because you have those innate soft skills, you have the curiosity, um, you have the skepticism, you're not really believing what you're seeing and you, and you want to keep turning back the layers, but then you realize, wait a minute, an hour's gone by and you veered off course. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're no longer even where you needed to be. And I think that happens to the best of us at times. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I'll take it as a sign of a great investigator, right? So we can pat ourselves on the back. But like you said, it's important. I mean, we're also in a business, so it's important to have the ability to bring, recognize that we're doing that and bring ourselves back and be able to say, it's okay that we lost that time, but we just can't lose anymore. Right. We need to, this is not, this is not a by the hour position lifestyle. It's more like, here's your caseload. Just clear it. I don't clear it in 10 minutes (laughs) or clear it in two days. I don't care. Just clear it, get it done. Yes. Yes. And, but it definitely happens. And I can attest to it in the realm of background investigations. You can really go down, you know, some paths and need to rein yourself in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
you know, and just finding what you're good at and um, focusing in on that. You know, I, I did start um, backgrounds as well. Right. Um, that was my, uh, I guess it was the thing in the nineties um, doing pre-employment screening. Mystery shopping was another aspect that I, I picked up and I, I did that for three years. I mean, I was director of operations of this company at a very young, young age and um, you know, for whatever reason it didn't work out. And I, I, change that over into human resources. So I figured backgrounds, I could do HR, right? Uh, Pre-employment screening. And, um, you know, I did that for a couple of years too. And then, you know, 2001 happened and everything changed uh, in New York. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity to go work for a lawyer and I took it. And, you know, now all these skill sets that I had uh, developed and doing backgrounds and interviewing people and, and, and developing those social skills and the, and the engineering aspect to it. You know, those are, those were good characteristics to have. I mean, every position I've ever had in my life, I have taken something from it and it's helped me in the next thing that I'm doing, you know, and um, you know, it, the maturity that goes in with it too. So, you know, people that know me know I'm involved in a lot of things. I sit on a lot of boards. <laughs> My time is like all over the place. Um, but those skill sets to, to participate in, in those type of things were developed all the way back from my first job at a, at a college, or I wouldn't even dare say in college, you know, there, there were things I learned. So it's, it's been a, an incredible journey. Uh, sometimes Absolutely. I get exhausted looking back. <laughs> what I've done, so. Absolutely. Well, that's why your story is such a great example um, for everyone and, and an inspiration and particularly, you know, for students, like you were saying, who, um, you know, may not realize that the path to where they want to be is not always linear. Yeah. Right. It's okay that there's zigs and zags in the road and totally. there might often be. You need those. That might often be the case and that's okay. And not only that, it could, every skill that you build is one step further to helping you become a better investigator eventually. Yeah. Everything that you've learned, like you said, that you've been able to draw upon all of those experiences, right? Um, like the example you said with HR, like conducting any type of interview, um, any kind of job where you're talking to people. Um, I, before, um, when I was in college, I was in the restaurant business. Um, I worked as a waitress and bartender for um, quite a few years. Yeah. And I really drew upon that experience in the future yeah. because it taught me, you know, you're, uh, you're talking to so many different types of people in that line of work. And you're often, and, and this is sort of an understated, um, you know, thing that happens in this role, right. That you're often diffusing anger. Yeah. Right. I've had people, people, hungry people say things to me that <laughs> you wouldn't believe, um, some that I still remember to this day, cause they were very hurtful. Um, and, and what that did though, is it taught me instead of taking that away and, yeah you know, getting upset about it, what I was, I was able, I learned that that taught me how to diffuse anger. Well, I, I think the more important question is how much flair were you wearing at the time? <laughs> how many buttons did you have? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you see, that's why that was such a great movie, right? You can really, servers can identify with that. Totally. Um, you got to be of a certain age to understand that joke. Um, so <laughs> Um, you know, you bring up a great point because, you know, when I, you know, got to the point with my business, like, okay, I got to start hiring people. You know, my first requirement 
was you had to be a graduate of John Jay College. My second requirement was it would be helpful if you spoke Spanish. But the third requirement, and and almost everybody that started working for me back in the day, then, like they came from that customer service background, like they they worked at Fridays or they worked at you know Coolahans or whatever whatever the 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 flavor of the moment was, you know, uh, you know Bubba Gump Fish Company or whatever, you know, it, it, because of of those situations, right? Just knowing how to talk to people, you know, and not being a complete introvert. Like you're, you're probably an extrovert if you're working that type of job and you know, you need to be able to communicate with people. So that was always, like I had this thing going for years. I mean, it had to be like, I don't know, 12 years before I hired somebody who didn't go to John Jay, <laughs> you know, I was always going back and, and bringing people on. So it, it was really uh, instrumental in the beginning. And, and, and I was the springboard for a bunch of people who worked, you know, a couple of years for me and then said, you know what, I got to move on to my next thing and um, you know, ha- have had great careers. And, uh, yeah, I like to think that I was helpful in, in having them get there. So, well, that's incredible because it's all about that first opportunity, mm-hmm. right? That first break. And, you know, in my book, a lot of investigators talked about that, right? How they got their first break, yeah. uh, how they got started in the field has being so critical because it really is difficult to, to get started. Um, yeah. and, and I don't think that's really changed very much. Yeah. Over the years. It's, you know, that was the model that I had going at that time. I was hiring entry level people and it it was a great model that worked for a while, you know, but that model has changed and that's okay. You know, I got to a point where I was like, okay, you know, I think I need to, because of the type of work that I'm getting in, it's a little more intricate. Like I need a little more seasoned people to do this stuff. And, you know, I I consciously made that decision to kind of rebrand and revamp. Um, And that was scary. You know, <laughs> like everyone we could be able to do it. You know, obviously I got to pay these people more. You know, that was another concern. Um, but then I could also bill more for them. So, you know, it worked out. And uh, it's amazing to get to that point. Oh, yeah. No, probably no. start out with one employee. And where are you now? Uh, eight. Yeah, I got eight eight people. And um, That's amazing. More the, with more on the way. Um, you know, I'm definitely in a growth uh, spurt. And you know, it, it, what's so great about it is I'm not doing everything anymore. You know, I have my little vertical, the business that I'm doing, but I have such qualified, great people that have, you know, earned their way to, um, management and, you know, running things and, you know, backend stuff, people I, I trust, you know, very dearly. Um, and we're doing it like everyone's filling their role and, um, you know, it's just been, uh, it's been an amazing year and a half, almost two years now that, that, um, you know, we've got a really good team. I'm going here and it was like, okay, COVID's done. And now I got to get my act together and really get down and, and change things around. There's so opportunity and, uh, you know, it's, it's worked out well. So. Well, that's great because you've had the time to focus on all of the other things that you do yeah, it's crazy podcasts, some other garbage stuff I'm doing, you know, who knows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got investigators toolbox, you know, you have all the other tools that you've developed um, yeah. over the years. And yeah. So, but you also talk about that in your chapter, which I think is so important about when you do have your own business, making the time for that, making the time for the growth, not just creating your business and saying, well, here it is. Um, so they'll come right. You know, I've, 
I've hung my sign outside and, and here we are, mm-hmm. that it doesn't work that way, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of investigators have made that mistake over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, I think you give a good example of someone who knows and has realized that the importance of continued growth and continued innovation and and continuing to, like, you're very prolific in the field, um, going out there, making sure you're meeting, um, you know, all the right partners in the field and and maintaining relevance that way. Yeah. I think that's a big, big piece yeah, of the business. You know, it's crazy. I look at the work product of what my team's doing now, and I'm just like, this is amazing work. And it, it's not something I could never do. I mean, I could totally do what they're doing. But I get pulled in so many different directions that I don't have the time to do the quality of work they do. And it like, if my, my clients are finally getting it when they call in, they're like, yeah, we want you. I'm like, you don't want me. <laughs> you want my other guy is <laughs> because they are going to be razor focused on doing what you need to do. You think you want me because I've known you for 15 years, but you really don't want me, you know, like my role is changing, you know, and I'm okay with that. And you need to be okay with that too. Um, and that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I want my people to be better than me. I want, you know, I wanted to, to go in that direction. You know, I'm trying to almost remove my name from everything and just have it more of just the brand, you know, for selfish reasons, right. If I want to sell the business at some point, you know, I want them to buy the business, not buy me. Right. Um, and, but that's where I am in my life, you know, and I've, I've, it, it was hard to get there. And for anybody listening, that's not quite there yet. You can do it. You just got to put your time in. Uh, I'm not special. I'm a kid from New Jersey who never even served in law enforcement. You know, I just identified a vertical that I was good at and just got really, really good at it. And I put the energy in, um, which segues back to Chelsea Bin's Art of the Investigation <laughs> book, <laughs> chapter five, I think. Go read it. <laughs> um, yes, Absolutely. Well, again, I, I'm glad that you you told people your story because I do think that um, what you're saying is true. Yeah. That you know the people that you have trained and you have tr- entrusted with your business, they are you, right? Yeah. You have curated a team that is doing your work that you are comfortable with and that you have specifically trained them to do in your techniques and your with your skill set. Um, and so that's the value there. And, and, and other people can do that for themselves as well, right? Other investigators can train, find the right people, right? The great minds, the people that have the soft skills potentially that they're looking for, um, and then teach them to do some of the investigative tasks that capitalize on those skills, right? So for instance, find someone that's energetic and teach them how to be a great investigator because you know because they have the energy that they're going to be have the stamina for those long surveillances right right um or someone that you know is a very inquisitive and curious person someone um you know that's a very skeptical person you know you know that that's somebody that you could train um to do a background check because you know they're not going to take the information that that they're given at face value yeah because they do have that skepticism. Um, so that's where the, these soft skills come back into play. Yeah, I mean, it's great. We were supposed to talk about fraud today and we just you know, spent the whole time talking about business growth. So that's fantastic. 
I'm going to have to retitle this episode. <laughs> Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> no. um, it's all good. That's why I, you know, people ask me like when I'm recording this podcast, give me questions, give me an agenda. No, I'm never going to give you that because who knows where the conversation is going to take, you know, and what nuggets we're going to get out of it. I just like the free flow. So um we've run out of time <laughs> so we're done again now. that's why you're so yeah. good at what you do yeah yeah well thank you um and um yeah yeah um if folks want to get a hold of you what is the best way to uh to find you oh yeah i'm on linkedin that's probably the best place to find me yes okay very cool well uh, dr bins thank you so much for coming on um and uh sharing your knowledge and we'll have you back on when the, uh, when we get closer to the book being re- released, uh, we'll do a little quick hit and, uh, give you a shout out. So folks know how to get a hold of that book. Oh, that would be great. I would love that opportunity. Um, and thank you for having me. It was so fun talking to you. Yeah, it's great. So everyone, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch people next week on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for checking out the episode and thank you, Dr. Chelsea Bins, for giving us another memorable episode. Special thanks to Crosstrack, Scope Now, PI Institute of Education, and ORAP for sponsoring our show, so please support our great supporters. Also, don't forget about investigatorstoolbox.com. You can now type in version 2.0, 25%, to save 50 bucks when you join. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. And you can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next week with a new show. So make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.